We're in Luke chapter 1, 32 through 33. Pardon my bullfrog voice. Pray for me that I don't cough during the message. Luke chapter 1, 32 through 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I need you to strengthen me now to preach your word. I pray that you would strengthen my voice, that you would give me clarity of thought, that you would do a miracle during the preaching of this message. God, I pray that you'd fill me afresh with your spirit and that whatever would be of me would fall on deaf ears. But whatever is of you, Lord, cause it to go forth and bear fruit for your glory, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all that needed to be known about Jesus was revealed by the angels at the very beginning of Jesus' earthly life. Did you realize that? They revealed who he was. They revealed why he came. They revealed what he was going to do and how he would affect the world. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we know that Luke recorded, to summarize all this, that Jesus would be great. Jesus would be great. He would be exceedingly set apart from all the rest. That's who our Jesus is. Take a look. God's Word. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Just in these few short verses, we learn a lot about Jesus. Jesus is great because he is the supreme sovereign God. That's who he is. He is fully God. See that? A little country music here. Hey, that's what the shepherds listen to, right? Cow 97. (laughs) Jesus is great because he is the supreme, sovereign God. He's fully God. He didn't leave his deity behind and put on flesh. The miracle of who Jesus is is that he is fully God and somehow, in the same way, fully man. That's part of the reason why he is great. Because God, not Joseph, was Jesus' only father. If you notice in here, the declaration of Jesus' deity comes before the declaration of his humanity. It says here, he will be called great and will be called the Son of the Most High, God. And God will give him the throne of his father, David. There's his humanity. We see them both coming together in perfect unity. It's known as the hypostatic union for theolo- in theological terms. But again, it's amazing to think of this. Say, well, I can't get my head around it. Guess what? There's a whole lot of stuff that we can't understand, and we still accept it. 
And if we understood everything about God, he would not be God. And what we see here is when you think about it, here's Mary in the manger holding this baby Jesus, right? And the baby Jesus is holding the entire universe together at the same time. Do you ever think about that? At the same time. That is amazing, amazing that Jesus, the son of Mary, is the Lord God Almighty in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is great because he is the supreme, sovereign God, and yet somehow he is fully man. Jesus is great because he is an eternal king. That's what it says here. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He is an eternal king. He fulfilled the prophecies of the son of David, and he will rule someday the entire world. His kingdom will never end. Never end. Did you know this? This is very interesting. That Bethlehem, the town where Jesus was born in, was also the town where Samuel came and first anointed David king of Israel. Same town. Isn't that interesting? A parallel there in the city. Jesus is great because he is fully God and fully man. Jesus is great because he is an eternal king. Jesus is great because he is holy. Take a look at God's word. A little farther down in Luke. Luke chapter 135. And the angel answered her, The Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Holy, what does that mean? That means he is without sin. He never sinned once in thought, word, or deed. And what people fail to understand is that was necessary in order for him to pay the price for our sins. He had to be sinless. He had to be holy. Or the sacrifice that he made would not have done what needed to be done. Reconcile us with God. He did what we couldn't do. He lived the perfect, sinless life. And in case you don't know this, that is the minimum requirement to spend eternity in heaven. You couldn't have sinned once in a thought, word, nothing. If you've sinned just once, you're disqualified, thrown out of heaven for all eternity. Say, I don't like that. Well, God's God and he gets to make the rules. And he's holy. And he says, you know what? You need to be holy. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't do it. There's not a person in here, including me, that can do that. But Jesus did it for us. He is holy. And so what we find is that Jesus is great because he is holy. And because he is holy, Jesus is great because he is the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's the Deliverer. And we find that in Luke chapter 2. In the same region there were shepherds out in the, in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, this is pointing out what Jesus came to do. He came to glorify the Father by offering himself as a sacrificial substitute for us. Because if you have sinned like I have, then your sin deserves punishment. That's the just punishment. God is a loving God, but he's also a holy and just God. So he's got to punish sin. And so what happened is, is that Jesus came. He lived the life we couldn't live, perfection and thought, word, and deed the requirement that was necessary to spend eternity in heaven. And then what he did is he went to the cross. And he was punished for sin that was not his own. He was punished for sin that was not his own. It was the sin of all who would, by God's grace, receive the gift of salvation. By grace alone means we don't earn it. It's given to us. By faith alone. That works. In Jesus alone. And so Jesus went to the cross and was punished cruelly for all the sins of everyone who would believe in Jesus Christ and receive that gift of salvation. And that was so necessary because in order to spend eternity in heaven, you have to be perfect and we can't. So all who receive the gift, we accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross on behalf of our sin. And the Father accounts Jesus' holiness, his righteousness, as if we lived it. And that's why we can go to heaven. God made a way. He's just. He punishes sin, but he's loving because he provided a way. And I want you to know that if you don't know Christ today, just as sure as Jesus moved towards you 2,000 years ago, he's moving towards you tonight. And there's this offer of salvation that you would receive the gift of salvation, not based on your church attendance or how many Bible verses you memorize or how many services you go to. It's based on God's grace and receiving that gift. And you receive that by repenting. Say, I'm guilty as charged, God. Forgive me. Forgive me. And Jesus, I ask that you would be the leader and forgiver of my life. And grant me the grace to follow you and live in a way that honors you. And when that happens, this great exchange occurs at that moment. Let me just pray right now. Maybe someone's here that wants to cross that line of faith. Lord, you know the hearts of everyone in here and you know who is lost. And you are great. You are the sovereign God. You are the eternal King. You are holy and you are Savior. And I pray you would prick any heart right now that is lost, maybe a religious person, and that they might by your grace receive the gift of salvation. So Lord, you know their hearts. Would you draw them to yourself even now? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all that we needed to know about Jesus was revealed at the very beginning of his earthly life. This little baby in the manger was God Almighty. Fully God, fully man. He was holy. He was sinless. He was an eternal king and a glorious savior. Jesus is great. But isn't it interesting, Mary's response? Because it's a response like many of us as believers have. 
You see, Mary wasn't focusing on Jesus' greatness. She was focusing on the greatness of the circumstances. Take a look. God's word. Luke chapter 1, 34. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Can't happen, guys. Can't happen. And the angel responded, Nothing will be impossible with God. You know what? Mary's concern was accurate. It was an accurate assessment from man's perspective. And that happens to us all the time. We look at situations in our lives and we make an accurate assessment of it. And we allow those um, truths, those, those facts to overwhelm our faith. To take our eyes off of Jesus. We focus on the seemingly impossible. That person that you love that is lost. Raised up in the church your whole lives. Walked away. Up to their eyeballs in sin. No desire for God. And it seems so impossible. Or maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage is just struggling. It seems so hard. It's been so long. Will it ever be healed? Maybe it's a controlling sin in your life. You've struggled with this sin for 20, 30 years. Is there any hope? Or maybe it's just the world situation. You read the news and you see the chaos and the wars. And what happens? Fear creeps up. Anxiety. And you wonder why you have no joy. You look at the economic uncertainty. You're working a job and you can't make ends meet. It's just the storms in life. And what happens is we take our eyes off of Jesus. We look at the circumstances instead of who God is. And there is no event or circumstance more than Jesus can handle or more than he can take us through. Think back about that first Christmas. What did God do? He took the world power, Rome, and he manipulated it exactly the way he wanted so that there would be a census. And Rome is far powerful, more powerful, or was far more powerful than America or any nation in the world. And God just moved it exactly the way he wanted. He raised this nation up, Rome. He used it for his purposes. Then God takes a star in the sky. He manipulates the universe. He moves whatever he has to move in order to draw those magi to himself. And then there's the heavenly beings. He says, now go and make an announcement. We forget those things, don't we? Because we look at the circumstances and the circumstances overwhelm us. They take our eyes off of how great Jesus is. And we need to get our eyes back on Jesus and his greatness, all of who he is. And that's what we're celebrating tonight. The coming of the Savior. Because of who Jesus is, fear and anxiety can give way to peace and joy. And the world does not have enough peace and joy. And I'm guessing if I took a poll right now, the majority of us would raise our hand and say, I don't have enough peace or joy either. But Jesus has come. He has made a way. And we need to keep our eyes on him and trust in him. Hope, hope was born that day for the world that was in despair. Hope for people back then and hope for people right now. 
And I want you to know, without a doubt, that Jesus will be great for you. Jesus will be great for you. He's got it. And that's why the best thing we can do is respond to the good news the same way that the angels did and Mary and the shepherds. That we would take whatever circumstance it is, put our eyes on Jesus, and with joy and with awe, worship and praise him. Because he is great. He is very great for all of us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we worship you tonight. Lord, for those who do not know you, I pray for their salvation that you draw them. For those that do know you, God, whatever the impossible situation is that they're thinking of right now, I pray that you would give them hope in you, Lord Jesus. I don't know whether the situation will change or not, but you will help them through it because you made a promise to do that. And I ask you now to pour out your spirit upon us that we might walk by faith and not by sight and that we might worship you in the midst of the storms and the turmoil so that your name would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful and glorious name. Amen.